Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. I am riding solo yet again today, and I am here south in Germany in Oberstdorf, uh, where I am trying to get as much work done as I possibly can. It's been a very chaotic uh, couple of days trying to catch up on everything, but I think I'm coming to a head on it. I just I have these this like extreme frustration with um, certain people and, and, and how they interact, like how they handle business. Like in music and entertainment, I guess, a lot of the time you have to deal with contracts. And that's always an issue. It's always a problem and it's always annoying. And the, But the best thing that you can do, the best thing that you can do is just make sure that everything's clear and upfront and on paper and fair. But not everyone wants to do that, so... Um, I'm at a place right now where I, I have a contract, but I was kind of pushed into a corner where I had to sign it, even though I wasn't totally happy with it. And I made a comment like, hey, I know this one's late. I know this one's running short. I'm just going to go ahead and, and sign this one. But for the future, can we do this or do that? And uh, I was given back like a pretty, pretty condescending message, I have to say, like name dropping the platforms in which their new project will be streaming on. And making sure that I knew that they're very important and very talented and that I might just need them. But actually, I'm at a place now where I don't need them anymore, which is pretty cool. I really think I don't. Uh, by the way, for those listening at home, I am live once again here on TikTok to talk about some classic Americanisms. That's what today's show is about. Hi, user 59506101132913291. <laughs> Hello again. Yes, we are live on TikTok uh, to talk about some of the most, like some standard, I have a list here from buzzfeed.com about some classic, classic American behaviors that stick out like a sore thumb to non-Americans. George XXX says, do you want a math debate together? I'll tell you what, George, that would be the fastest debate ever because I'm sure you would win. I'm sure you'd win. So, uh, thank you so much, 595061, for the follow. I really appreciate that. Thanks for being here live on TikTok today, guys. Thanks for listening to everyone at home. If you're in your car or if you're uh, in your house or uh, at work, maybe listening to this. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Mahtzeit. Leufta77 says Mahtzeit. And expressions like that we're going to get into in just a minute. Uh, so, but first, today's episode, we had an episode where I was live on TikTok. We talked about Americanisms. We talked about really traditional uh, behaviors and expressions that Americans use and say that drive people kind of crazy. And then we got into a little bit about what Germans do and how those things differ. And it's really fun. It's fun to see those different behaviors and those different personalities come out. Um, Angelina, hey, how are you? I'm doing great, and I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for being on the live. Thanks for sharing, and thanks for having fun. So let's jump right into this. The, the introduction on the website for these Americanisms says, Well, if you're American, wonder no more. Reddit user jbird13 asked the Reddit sphere to share some behaviors that are distinctly American. And I don't know about everyone else, but I'm feeling a wee bit self-conscious. Here are the top-rated responses. So the first one talks about the soft smiles you give to strangers if you make eye contact while walking past them do not go over so well in Germany. That's true. That's not the same vibe at all. I have a friend who's German who recently went to America. They went to um, the Carolinas for a, for a conference, and they said that every hotel they stayed in Every restaurant they were at, every bar they were at, someone always smiled at them and made a comment and said something and was very friendly and talkative and nice. And I was like, yeah, you know, I missed that. I missed that part of America. I missed the, you know, what the humble South. I missed that sweet feeling of, oh, they, that's so nice of you. Oh, how nice of you to say. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm doing well. Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you? You know, and um, it's just so different here especially i mean in bavaria if you come across people on the street it's it's very separate it's very like don't look at me don't talk to me i'm not here you're not here we got places to be we got things to do it's a little more like in the new york vibe i could imagine some people say hi but it's not as often it's definitely not as often like in america if you have someone saying hello and smiling 
let's say seven or eight out of ten times in Germany it's more like every two or three times probably Inga von Schneider is back on the live and says she likes being smiley too well like I said it's not like it's a zero 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 percent chance but it's much 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 less and it comes off a little a little cold-blooded sometimes a little uh, a little harsh you know Germans can come off that way just depends um, okay, I see you guys in the chat are talking about what age you can drink at. Yes, for those listening who don't know that rule in Germany, you can drink beer and wine from the age of 16 in Germany. Um, but in America, you have to legally wait until you're 21, which is crazy, because by the time that you're 18, you can buy cigarettes and join the army. So you can literally murder people and smoke cigarettes <laughs> before having a sip of wine or beer, so... I think that's a little crazy. They could probably balance it all out around 18. And the, the stricter the rules are, the more people are going to break those rules anyway, right? You're going to break those rules anyway. If you're, if you're already 17, you're already at parties where people have alcohol, they found a way to have it. And if they say, oh, there's no chance you can drink this, you're really not supposed to have this until you're 21 years old, then you're going to more likely do it when you're in that younger age anyway, because it doesn't... Uh, it seems so silly because it is silly, you know? Mm. So, oh, hi, Tyler. Welcome to the chat. You're going to love this one because we're talking about some really um, particular behaviors and uh, things that Americans and, and Germans do and the differences there. So I'm sure you have a lot to say. Um, yes, Inga says drinking should help with smiling. Yeah, I mean, that's true. If I leave a bar in Bavaria in the, in the late night and I've had a few... I uh, I tend to be a little more smiley than I might have been as uh, normal, but I am a friendly American, so you're going to get a smile out of me anyway. <laughs> uh, Angelina says, I don't drink anyway. I swear that I will never smoke or drink alcohol. Well, good for you. All right. <laughs> Tyler says, the only places Bavarians are smiley is beer gardens. Yeah, that's true. You see that a lot there, at least, at least there, right? At least there, you get that. Um, user 595 says, I don't like strangers to greet me. Well, aren't you German? Because <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen much. But let's move on to another one. So the next one says, uh, a classic Americanism that irks the non-Americans is using only your fork to eat various foods. When I ate at people's places or at the dorms in the U.S., they'd use their forks to cut vegetables, lasagna, sausage, pasta, chicken, fish, etc. The only time I saw people using knives was for steak or tough meat. I felt bad having to ask for a knife all the time. That's actually oddly perceptive because a lot of people don't know that, or maybe they do and I didn't know that they knew, but that's very true. That's very, very, very accurate. Like I've had family, I've had friends visit and after moving here, I've, um, I've had like so many experiences where I've been at nicer dinners, maybe nicer places than I would have gone to regularly on my own or whatever, I've been invited to nice places. And I've learned the culture of gastronomy. I've worked at restaurants. I've learned the rules and the, and the feeling and the, the world of European uh, food culture. I've, I've learned how to be a part of that and to uh, understand it. And even without that history, I think you kind of get a feeling for, ah, this is kind of the meal where I can be clean and be polite and just like put the food on the fork with my knife in like a very smooth, calm, quiet, clean way. Uh, but then I've had friends and family visit and then I notice it. Like I finally notice it from outside the bubble. That's the only time you can really understand these things is when you move away and then you look back, right? But then I see I see them like with, uh, I don't know, even meat uh, or, or something that's kind of sloppy that you need to like, clean onto the fork with the knife they just don't they don't cut it they don't they don't use it they just my dad he's he's an all fork guy you know he's got the got the gorilla grip and scoops and moves and stabs and it's just it's just different you know it's just different um tyla says they also think it's weird that we cut with one hand and switch to eat with the fork in the other so wait you have the knife in the right hand and you cut with that and then you switch hands and put the fork in your right hand and eat like that? Is that what you're saying? You saying you do that? Very curious about your answer on that one. What? What? 
What are you talking about? That's not. That's not. <laughs> that's not normal. That's you. That's just you. That's not. That's not just North Americans. That's you, sister. Oh my God! I've never seen that before. I did have to learn which hand was the strong hand. It's possible I'm not that perceptive, but I did have to learn which hand was that was my strong hand. I'm right-handed normally. But actually, with food, I, I kind of switched things around. I don't know. It was weird. But anyway, a lot of people, a lot of Americans, a lot of North Americans just tend to dig in something with just that fork, you know. But it's funny. I know a guy, I know a German guy, doesn't like spoons. Says he doesn't use spoons, which means he kind of like avoids soups. He avoids, you know, he'll eat ice cream with a fork. Yes, that's true. He doesn't really eat cereals, like muesli, stuff like that. He avoids things that he has to use a spoon for. So at least we're not that crazy, right? Um, yes, so moving on. Number three, another perception that people notice about Americans is getting in the car to drive someplace a quarter mile from your house. Well, I hate to admit that one, but that's... That's just like definition American, you know? I mean, even like I, I, I am no better. I am no better. I really like, I don't do it now because I only recently got a car. So I was only using public and walking a lot everywhere. And I still walk a lot. I mean, whatever. It's, it's the benefits of living in a city. But in the South, I mean, you know, I'm from an area where things are extremely spread out. Even a city like New Orleans is so spread out. You do need a car for just about everything unless you're in the French Quarter, which is the only sort of squared off sort of city block area. And anywhere around that in rural Louisiana or Mississippi, everything is only highway and back roads. So to go literally from your house, like let's say at my first, like the first, I would say my first home, there was a couple of places I lived in as a baby, but I don't remember them. But if I went from my first home in Mississippi to town you'd have to drive the car because even the closest thing was a gas station by my high school and I walked there literally on one hand I could count the times like maybe two or three four times I've walked to that gas station and back but it's it wasn't that far but it just kind of was that far I don't know I get it, it depends where you live like in America cars are everything cars are God so they you know you just uh it's a common thing it's very normal i don't know i forgot about it and then i visited and then i was like wow i'm in a car a lot today and i was like oh i'm in a car all the time in america um inga von schneider asks do you have guns in your family uh i did not grow up with i did not grow up with guns um i had a bb gun when i was a kid i used to shoot this little like plastic can that i had on like a post out in my backyard like ting um, did not have guns growing up, but when my grandfather died, he left my dad or he just left behind, um, like quite a few guns. I wouldn't say like, it's not like a lot of guns, like, I don't know, three or four. Um, I've never held them. I think I, no, that's not true. I, I think I held one twenty-two like rabbit shooting rifle when I was, a teenager my dad with my dad like with his supervision we looked at it together and he's told like was basically warning me how dangerous it is to never touch it um and then he he always wrapped all the guns up and put them somewhere else like i was never i never saw them i never went around them and i always knew they were really dangerous so thankfully i never had any interest in even in you know what's interesting even in my saddest darkest most twisted times as a kid or a teenager where you know how these days that can absolutely lead to an unfortunate uh, mass shooting in America. I mean, there's that's a whole podcast on its own. But I'm very grateful and very thankful that even in my darkest of times, I was never interested in picking up that gun. I never went to I never went to my parents' room. I never looked for it to find where they put it. I never played with it. If I moved it around or something, it wasn't in a in a state of depression or anger it was maybe just curiosity if i did mess with it i never did it when i was in my sad times um so that's good i'm glad i never had that curiosity but no 
didn't really have guns. There, it existed there, but it wasn't, it wasn't a part of our family. Um, Angelina says she likes swords as weapons. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a lot cooler if, ever, if everyone used swords instead of guns. Uh, or even lightsabers, as user 595 says. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, so, <laughs> excuse me. The next uh, thing says that uh, the next polling thing they recognized that a lot of Americans do was taking condiments extremely seriously. Um, well, I have to say, Germans are kind of equal on that one. Have you ever gone to get a, a burger or a schnitzel or something with, uh, with pommes? With a, with a German, with the Bavarian especially? If there isn't mayo and ketchup on that table, that place is going to burn. That place is going to burn down, okay? It has to have it. It has to have it. Um, I guarantee that Americans are not the only people who take condiments extremely seriously. Um, and I, I'm serious about them here. I, I absolutely, I want my ketchup and mayo with my fries. And hey, have you ever had a Leberkäse, Semmel? Excuse me. Have you ever had a Weißwurstfrühstück? You need some mustards, people. That's important. Okay, Germany, America, we're teaming up on that one. I think we're. I think that's absolutely similar there. Um, condiments are meant to be taken seriously because they're delicious and they're incredible. They make food better. Okay, that's why they are there. Um, Angelina asks, is, is, it, is it normal that teachers are allowed to insult the students? Not that I know of. I mean, they definitely should not do that. Um, she says, because a friend told me that a class from her school called a counts, called a counts, I, I don't understand what that means. I'm sorry. Called a counts class from a teacher. Um, but no, I, I, if I was mean to any teacher in my school, I was in a lot of trouble. Um, I was basically told to go to the principal's office or I would get in-school suspension or I'd get a letter sent home to my parents. Um, yeah, I was always uh, very careful around teachers. Funny side story, though. I did have this one teacher. Uh, this is connected to teachers doing the wrong thing. but um, So I knew this teacher in high school who was like a math substitute teacher for maybe a semester. And she was younger than the other teachers and definitely more pretty. She was probably like, I don't know, early 30s or something. Could have, could have even been late 20s. She could have been. And which made a big difference because a lot of the teachers there were um, more like, uh, I want to say like late 40s, 50s. And when you're a teenager, that seems ancient. Um, so this was the a woman that we were like, oh, she's like very pretty. And she always favored this one kid in my class who was a kind of the basketball star. And they, she, he always hung out like at her desk and she always, I don't know, she was kind of off. She didn't really teach so much as just like kind of socialize with the class. And it was a class where we always just kind of screwed around and did what we wanted and like a free class. I mean, she just let us do whatever, which is part of the American school system problem. But anyway, eventually it was discovered that this teacher and this student were found in a car together at the city park in my hometown uh, fooling around. Uh, so I think he was a minor. Pretty sure. Um, all I know is that she was fired and I didn't see her for a long time. Cut to like a year or two later. I'm working at a furniture delivery store and I've been put on an assignment to drive pretty far out of town, like uh, over the state lines to drop off this new bed frame and like a kitchen unit and all this stuff. Someone had just moved into a new house, so they bought everything. We get finally after an hour or more of driving, we get to the house and start loading in the stuff and I recognize the teacher. Ah, it was her. Um... And it was very awkward. We did not talk about it. I was too shy. But boy, oh boy, I told everybody the next day that I saw her. Um, so she's alive. She's alive and well. I, and I know that she was married to a gentleman who was very involved in the local church. So I don't think divorce was really an option for people, for someone like that. I think it's not really on the radar. I think they probably did some counseling. But he was still there. He was still there after all that, after everything came out. Um, so, 
a very big Americanism on this list. By the way, guys, thank you for being on the live. Thanks for the for sending the likes. Thanks for sharing the live around. Thanks for your questions and being involved. It's so much fun when you guys chime in with questions or comments like this. Thanks for being here. It's really cool. I mean, it's uh, 3.30 on a Tuesday, so you never know who's going to join in, who has the time. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, thanks for the likes. Thanks for sharing. Uh, so we're, for those who just got in here, we are talking about uh, like very, very distinctly American behaviors that are noticed by non-Americans, sort of breaking down how silly they are or how valid they are. So up next is being able to chant USA for no apparent reason. Whew, man, uh, you know, this, this thing called American patriotism is quite quite a thing to behold <laughs> if you have never visited america especially during like a like a sporting event or a religious event or any event at all uh, then you have not quite witnessed the power of a patriotic american chant you know like uh, people who are like rioting and involving themselves in this so much it's crazy it's really absolutely crazy um I, you know, I was speaking to my dad once about how Germany doesn't behave so patriotically. Of course, there are some. In, in every country, there's always someone who does something. But it's really not common to see, like, you know, houses and houses and houses and houses of German flags um, with German welcome mats and German license plates and German, ta German flag tattoos. You just don't see that extreme level of patriotism the same way that you do uh, for Americans. And he was like, well, why is that? I was like, well, you know, they they would think it's pretty crazy if someone was that patriotic, you know, it's would make people maybe believe that they're kind of like leaning towards a certain angle politically that maybe isn't so popular as much as it was in the late 30s, early 40s. Uh, and he was like, really? Wow, okay, I wouldn't have expected that because he's very patriotic. I mean, he doesn't, he's not like some, he doesn't have some tattoo on his face of the flag or something, but he's very proud of America, very proud of this, of being Southern, proud of being from the South, that sort of thing. And that's what you run into a lot. Like this friend of mine, I told you that just traveled to America to, um, for this conference, uh, he said he was very welcomed by the, the Southern hospitality, but that he was just blown away at the amount of American flags he saw. Like it was this, he said, just rows and rows of houses on the coastline in the Carolinas, just all flags in parking lots, in restaurants, uh, painted over like the, the car paint on certain vehicles was just the flags. So, um, yeah, I can understand how that's pretty crazy for a lot of people and they don't, uh, they don't understand that. So yeah, being able to chant USA, that's very American. And uh, I really wonder sometimes how I didn't become that type of guy. I was in the right place at the right time. I had all the capability in the world to become like a, a ranting, raving, Southern, uh, patriotic, sort of pro-military kind of guy. You know, a really, really... It's funny to me that I like branched away from that behavior, even though I was surrounded by it. I don't know. Funny. Um, I guess I, in my opinion, I guess I was kind of lucky. Uh, Inga von Schneider asks, what are they proud of? Um, that's a good question. It's a, it's a, a new, it takes a nuanced answer. Um, cause it's not so easy, but Americans tend to believe because they're taught this, they're taught this sort of thing in their um, dishonest history classes as a kid and stuff. But they're they're made to believe from their school, have what the schools teach them, and what the movies teach them, and what their television shows teach them, what their society and their culture and their parents teach them, is that America is this absolutely perfect country, that it is the most free, that it is the best at what it does, that it is the most 
wonderful, that, ca that capitalism is the best option for everything, that you can achieve anything in America if you just pull up your bootstraps and work hard. And if you're not making something of yourself, it's because you're not working hard enough. And that if someone isn't getting somewhere they need to be, it's their fault. And that you can do what you need to do because America is the land of hope and dreams and freedom. And there, that's, imagine, yes, like User595 says, it's propaganda. It's really, it's beaten into people from the moment they are born. Even people in the in the worst um, kind of poverty situation, uh, worst family situation, um, with the darkest, saddest sort of corners of the of life, um, there's still people in who will convince them that you know the, it's not the country, it's not the systems in place here that keep you here or make it harder for you. Um, that it's the greatest, most amazing country in the world, and Europe is weak and, um, you know, making fun of so many other cultures for how they look or how they sound or what their politics might be or what their religion might be. And now more than ever, that sort of mentality has grown into a crazy separatist um, propaganda machine. You know, you, all the news outlets in America tell you what you want to hear. So you have left news that tells you what you want to hear and have stuff like Fox News like my dad watches which just bombards you with with propaganda with these uh, fear-mongering tales that everyone else is doing something behind your back and that they're trying to steal your America this beautiful wonderful amber wave of grain this great country all the while knowing that they're just making money off your fear and confusing you so what are they proud of in their mind they're proud of everything the freedom their money their in their their happiness whatever um but it's kind of like brainwashing because there are so many great things in america and i mean that as someone who is american like i love america it's it's wonderful but it is by far like one of the worst countries when it comes to um all the systems in place for its people. Like even just the first year that I moved to Germany, once I got my bank account and my address and everything set up, um, when you had to get, when you got into uh, the health insurance situation, I've talked about uh, talked about that on this podcast a million times, but once my health insurance was set up and I went to the doctor for the first time and I was standing there not nervous to hand them my insurance card and I knew this would be all that I would pay, that was the first time where I was like, oh my God, I've been tricked, you know? Because you, even if you're paying like crazy, like pre down payments and prepayments and co-pays with your insurance and doctors, and you're paying hand over fist and you're paying high insurance and claims and numbers and your car insurance and all this stuff. And then if you if you're sick, if you really need help, uh, I mean, if you can't afford it, that's just your problem. And there's so many different, I mean, there's so many things wrong with that system. Um, and Germany, by far, is like America is one of the only countries that doesn't do that. It's, um, there's just a few countries <laughs> that don't have like a universal healthcare system in place for their people. Um, despite what a lot of people believe, it's one of the minority that doesn't do that because they make so much money off of everybody. Um, so yeah, they're patriotic, but it's for the wrong reasons. Um, Inga says, so even the school system is bad. You can't believe that. Yep. She says, you can't believe the propaganda if the school system is bad. I don't know. I think when you're a little kid, you believe everything that people who are bigger than you tell you. So, you know. Uh, once again, guys, thank you so much for the likes. Thanks for sharing the live. Thanks for being here. Um, sorry for that super heavy moment. We can come back to the fun stuff now. Um, so up next, <clears throat> another distinctly American behavior is small talk with strangers. As much as we collectively like to complain about Americans in Europe, this is one of those things I wish we did a little more. I know, some of it is probably out of politeness, but if I have to choose between waiting on a train station for an hour all alone, or actually getting to know random new people, of course I prefer the latter. Mm. So we kind of touched on that a little before, 
with my friend who went to the Carolinas uh, for a conference. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, this Southern hospitality, this this friendliness that you come across with Americans, depend, pretty much no matter where you are, um, it, it, I, I can only speak for the South because I've been there the most, but you do have this these interactions and these moments a lot. And um, yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. Um, and that's something we don't do enough here. I think that was one of the first things we talked about. Let's we so we can go on to the next one already. Germans do small talk if you start. Well, that also depends, don't you think? Like pers- like not every German is the same way. And some Germans do start. It's just uh I don't think it's always someone else's fault. I think Germany has so Germany is its way with exceptions. America is its way with exceptions. That's the way it is. Um, so moving on, talking really loudly in public places. Oops, I am guilty of this. Um, default volume of most Americans seems to be about 10 decibels higher than that of every other country's inhabitants. <laughs> okay, I've been guilty of this, and now I really notice it. Now I really notice it when I go to restaurants here in Munich and I hear Americans. Because you're gonna hear them over everybody. You could be in a you could be in a, a German beer hall with like 800 people, and you you hear some noise for sure. But all the way back in the corner over there, you're gonna hear that one American who's like, "Well, I'll tell you what, Jim, man. Last time I came here, I didn't have the same beer. I had this different beer. You had the one with the green label. Yeah, that was what I was talking about. Did you get that green? Label? Excuse me, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. You know, it's definitely different." As opposed to, I don't know, I'm so used to it now, like I'm so conscious of how loud I am, when especially when I go, when I'm in a public place or on a, on a bus or a train or at a public pool or something, I'm always like, hey, did you, um, by the way, did you get the, um, did you get that extra towel because I was looking for these towels? You know, I'm, I'm very like conscious and aware and I don't want to bother anybody, uh, so probably I should compromise and exist somewhere in the middle of that, but um, yeah, <clears throat> it's definitely very American. Uh User 595 says, Americans have a higher pitch, don't they? Um, I don't know about pitch. I know, I mean, I don't know about pitch, but I know that volume for sure. Volume is much, much, mucho higher. Uh, Angelina asks, how many languages do you speak? Uh, Well, technically just the two. I mean, because I would say I, I have learned enough German to say that I speak it, although not great, but just the two, English and German. I used to study Spanish in college, and I loved it, but German has replaced all of that. Um, so, when traveling to another part of the world, an American will always say the city and or state they're from, not the country. We'll be at a hostel, and someone will ask where everyone's from, and they'll say, Denmark, or Germany, or France, Australia, Japan. And then the American will say, Sacramento, California. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. That's really true. Um, oh, side note. Negative HP says, I notice I speak in a higher pitch when I speak English. That's funny. It's funny that you say that because now that I think about it, when I when I speak German, like on a phone call, or if I speak it like when I have to, I notice that my voice uh, is lower. Like it's definitely like, Servus, you know? <laughs> Yeah, hello, yeah, danke. You know, it's much like, it's good. It's very, like, pushed down, like like an elephant stamped on my face. Um, Everybody has a higher pitch when they're hyped up. Come on. Um, But yeah, this is a, I think this is great. This is really good. When traveling to another part of the world, an American will always say the city uh, in the state, not the country. That's true. That's funny. I have, I've done that myself. I've gotten into a conversation where they, I I think I just at some point assumed that they know that I'm American, which is stupid to assume they know anything because people don't hear accents the same way that you do sometimes. And then they say, Oh, where are you from? And I am under the impression, Oh, well, they know I'm American. I mean, I sound American. So maybe they mean the state. And then I'm like, Oh, uh, I'll say, I'll say new Orleans. And they go, I'm sorry. Like Louisiana. And they go, where? And I go, America. They go, ah, United States. Yeah, of course. You know, I've done that so many times. Um, sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it does, but that's a funny one. Yeah. Number nine, they celebrate every holiday they can get their hands on. Okay. 
hold on a second. Hold on a second. Celebrating every holiday they can get their hands on. Well, why don't we take another look at you, Mr. Bavaria? That is the most holidays I have ever seen in my life. Bavarian Catholic holidays. Talk about some... Whew, holding on, grabbing and holding on to as many vacations as you can possibly get. Um, let me see if I can find out here how many Bavarian holidays... How many public holidays, Bavaria? Do you know that Bavaria, Baden-Württemberg, and Saarland have the most public holidays? 12 per year? Guys. Oh, there. You, well, you, you say there's 16. This one says 12, so somewhere in there. Yeah, ah, here it is. Here it is. There are nine public holidays that are observed in all 16 federal states. Oh, that's something different. Okay, so yeah, somewhere between like 12 and 16. That's, um, that is like a typically Bavarian feeling is being off work again another day or everything's closed again because of these holidays. I'm still not really used to that. I mean, I'm barely used to all the shops being closed on Sundays, much less having another public holiday coming up. They're always like, oh, make sure you get everything on Saturday. I'm like, yeah, I know. The shops are closed on Sunday. They're like, oh, no, but Monday's another public holiday, so everything will be closed again, too. And it's like, okay, 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 okay. Inga von Schneider says, yeah, Americans don't have much holidays. That's true. That's true. Americans really don't have that many holidays. It's unfortunate, you know, especially with how much they work, how hard they work. They just don't get that many holidays. It's really a bummer. I would love if my friends and my family could visit uh, or we could trade off visiting much more than we do. My dad gets two weeks a year. That's 10 business days. Isn't that horrible? Mm. It's unbelievable compared to people here who get like 30 or 31 days. It's really amazing. Um, and that's paid, like a month of paid vacation. Like you can just take two weeks here and two weeks there and a week there. And it's really, uh, it's such a better system. It's unbelievable. Uh, moving on, calling the winners of your domestic championships world champions. That's true. Okay, that's true. There's like the World Cup. And uh, if you're, what's the thing? Is it is it Baseball? What's the World Cup is um, football competition? <laughs> no, wait. No, World Cup actually is World Cup. That's not right. <laughs> Oops. Um, that's actually Baseball World Cup. Let me see. Ah, uh, but the Baseball World Cup is an international tournament. So what, so what are they talking about? Oh, they say like... Um, uh, there's an expression I've seen in so many baseball things. That ba- like, like they'll say like Major League Baseball, so only the American teams. And they'll say like, yeah, they'll say like World Champions, World Championship or something. Um, but whenever it's a World Cup, it's actually the world. So that's not what they mean, I reckon. 2011 Baseball World Cup International Men's Amateur Baseball Tournament. No, that's not what they mean. Okay. What is like... Um, what's the highest baseball or, um, what's the, uh, what's that term? What's that? The, the last, the, <laughs> when you play a tournament, you play a bracket to get to the end and it's the championship, um, like highest championship baseball. Does that tell me what that is? No. Oh, World Series. That's what I was thinking. If not World Cup, the World Series. Yes, that's funny. The World Series is just the American teams. Teams with the most World Series titles. The Yankees have the most. Uh, Cardinals have second. Um, Dodgers, then Braves, Tigers, White Sox. Yeah, that's funny. Man, the Yankees have 27. That's way more than anybody else yes that's like the harvard of, of baseball teams right there wow um man and everyone hates the red sox that's so funny 
but yeah, that's 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 like a typically American thing. Is is ba- baseball is about as American as uh, apple pie. It's about as American as it gets. And yet, um, when the Yankees play the St. Louis Cardinals, they say, "Ah, oh, you've won the World Series," and they've only played American teams. That's funny. I never really thought about that. Um, number eleven, saying "How you doing?" or "How's it going?" etc. just means hello. I've noticed non-Americans tend to think this is an invitation for them to share their life troubles, while most Americans just use it as a greeting. It can go either way. You know, if it's a friendly moment and there's not too much of a rush going on, if you run into an American and they say, How's, how, how you doing? How's it going? Yes, first off, it is definitely a greeting, and it is just a way of saying hello. Um, but if you if you answer how you're actually doing, it's not like they're going to say, Whoa, uh, excuse me. I didn't need, uh, you know, I didn't need your whole life story. I'm just trying to be nice here. They wouldn't just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's just like some jerk outside the train stations in New York that would be like, hey, excuse me, pal, don't have all day. But I think most people would just say like, um, oh, that's nice. Or like, well, I hope that's better for you soon. Thank you, Baidu Lover, for the follow. I appreciate that. Thank you, Angelina, for the follow. And thanks again, guys, for the likes. Thanks for sharing this live. Thanks for being here. Uh, For those just joining in, we're looking at distinctly American behaviors, breaking them down, and comparing it a little bit to Germans. Um, Baidu Lover says, hey, love your guitar, mate. Thank you. That's my little, my Gibson buddy there. So we're talking about how, like, Americans say, how you doing, how's it going, kind of like as a a hello, as a greeting. Um, Germans definitely don't do that. They make it very clear, like, hallo, or servus, grüß Gott. That's very much like, we have our greetings. And if you have been greeted, then they move on to like, wie geht's? Wie geht's Ihnen? Wie geht's dir? You know, it's like, then they have that, it's all separate. But Americans, it's a little more relaxed, a little more calm and cool. It's a little more like, hey, how you doing? Oh, how's it going? And that's all you have to say. That's all you have to say. How you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. Thanks. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Boom. Conversation over. And it's lovely. Um, so number 12, very American behavior here, thanking their military servicemen for their service to the country. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. Just saying that I've never seen that happen anywhere else. Yes, that is distinctly American. Um, that's also something that's kind of like bred into you as a child is to be respectful of the military personnel that you see at the airports. They, they board planes before you. If you see them, um, you know, in stores, you let them go in front of you. you say, oh, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your service. Um, I, in France too, they do that? Okay. Um, I hadn't seen that anywhere else, but I haven't really been to any major cities in France, only to like smaller towns. So it's funny. I don't really still get why we do that. I mean, it's so patriotic, right? Like, let's say that you're a, a serviceman that joined the American military uh, like three years ago, you do your training, you end up doing sort of like computer science or accounting or filing work for the military, which they, they need those jobs too. Um, but they, you do something that's pretty safe and just to like get through a, a portion of time that you're working towards maybe getting an education or you just want to get in, do your job, you know, whatever, get cleaned up and get out in a few years. I don't necessarily think that I should have the feeling that I should thank that person for basically getting a job that they wanted. But, um, you know, you never know. You never know. And if they did serve, you know, then if it's, yeah, you know, if they've protected people in any way, I I guess I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel very contradictory on this because it's something that you've just been told to do your whole life and you don't really think about why you do it. But... Then again, it's the world's most powerful military and they're involved in every single country. So if they are protecting absolutely anyone, you're kind of like, oh, thanks for doing that. But you just never know. You never know what they're doing. You never know what's going on. I don't know. They never tell us anything. Um, but thanks again so much for joining, guys. And thank you for the likes. Another in, another American, distinctly American behavior is enormous portions. Nowhere else serves that much food in one sitting that is so true that is so true yeah i mean there's so many wonderful restaurants in germany and and uh, a lot of other countries in central europe 
Um, oh, by the way, guys, thank you so much. We're almost at a thousand likes. That's so nice. Thank you for keeping those rolling. Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out. Um, talking about enormous portions in America. You know, I don't think about that too much until we go, until I go back and visit. And then I, then I remember like, oh yeah, right. Um, I didn't remember how big, if you order like a egg toast or something, you're like, wow. MWH96, thank you so much for taking us over a thousand likes. That's so nice. That's so nice. Thank you very, very much for being here. What's up, TomTom3012? Thanks for being here. Um, yeah, I mean, if you go to a nice restaurant here in Europe somewhere, uh, you know, let's just say Germany, um, you might go to, let's say you've saved up some money, you've got a nice date or a nice reason to go celebrate it, like a, a Michelin star restaurant. And uh, they say, okay, we're going to do like a seven course menu. Uh, you get these tiny little portions, but you're eating seven courses. By the end, you're stuffed. You're dying. So it's really just about the how you serve it. But yeah, if you go back to America and you order like a an egg and cheese sandwich from a diner, boy, oh boy, I hope you brought your appetite. Um, number 14, something that they say is very American is being extremely paranoid about letting your children be alone outside. Honestly, with America, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. They, I mean, especially in the Pacific Northwest, that has birthed, first off, America as a country has birthed more serial killers than every other country. And most of them come from the Pacific Northwest. I don't know why. But of course, I mean, all these people in the 70s, I mean, there was Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and Charlie Manson. There was uh, uh, John Wayne Gacy, uh, Ed Kemper, the BTK killer. I mean, son of Sam, like, oh, that's so many serial killers. That's so many murderers. And you think about the murder rate per capita in America, like gun violence alone, you have so many rapists and thieves and just tormented, broken people that, I mean, depending where you live, of course, like if, if I was in America living somewhere in like a rural area where I understood here's a neighbor there, here's a neighbor there, and the kids know like where the limit is, then then it's fine. Like when I grew up, I was always outside. I was always outside, but we had enough yard and field and area around. Like I could be outside a lot and it wasn't a big problem. Um, and especially when I could start biking, then I would bike up this huge hill by my house and like zoom all the way down. Um, but yeah, it was never really something I thought about much. But I know that a lot of people, especially in cities like, like to, to mention it again, like New York or even parts of New Orleans or um, lots of places, lots of places, of course, people are paranoid to leave their kids out because, you know, depending where they are, so many kids have been kidnapped, turned into soldiers for the for the paranoid I don't know it's crazy um, Inga F uh, von Schneider says more welfare and more social work would increase safety sure as part of, I mean those things in combination with uh, with more would help with so much stuff I mean if people didn't have these yes I mean yes definitely that would help um, so okay number 15 is just about driving again Americans love to drive it is what it is just kind of part of the deal um, MWH96, you're crazy with these likes. You're crazy. Thank you so much. Wow, we're almost at 2,000 likes. No, we're almost, is it really? Is it almost 2,000 likes already? You're crazy. You wild animal. I love it. Thank you. Um, so number 16 is something I can totally relate to. It's talking about speaking English in a foreign country. And if the locals indicate that they do not understand you, you speak English louder. Okay, I've never done that. And I'm hyper-conscious of speaking English to people who I don't know if they speak English or not. I'm hyper-conscious of that. I really don't want to be a burden on anybody, especially when I'm traveling through and I'm in their country. Um, I know people, I know friends who have total confidence and just burst through the door of another country and they're just like, like, hey, how you doing, man? Uh, you know where I can find like another gas station? And it's like... Entschuldigung, kannst du bitte langsamer sprechen? Ich habe gar nichts verstanden. It's like, oh, hey man, I was saying, like, where's the gas station? I've seen that. I've seen people do that. 
Swoozy B is an Australian in Germany. Oh, I might. She'll be right, mate. Nice to see you. Thanks for being in the live. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, like, as an Australian here, but I've seen so many American friends come through and really just, oh, <laughs> just like be louder at people. Um, and, you know, sometimes it does work. Sometimes they're like, oh, gas station, ah, petrol, ah, it's this way. But sometimes it's really like, I don't understand you. Why are you speaking louder at me? Um, it can be very rude. It can be kind of insane. So depends. Be careful, you know, who you do it to. Um, or maybe just don't do it. Maybe just try and speak slower or ask. I think if you go to a country for the first time, if you can, if you think about it, maybe just, you know, look things up on Google Translate first. Like if you want to say, where's the toilet? Maybe you can just look it up real quick and say, ah, wo is die Toilette? Sorry, wo ist die Toilette? Easy. Easy. Then they're going to just send you off on your way. Um, so another very American uh, distinct behavior. Sorry, there's like a GIF on this page of American Horror Story that is uh, Sarah Paulson just screaming in fear at a clown by her door um, from the American Horror Story season called Cult. <laughs> so uh, that's just very distracting. So I'm curious what they're going to say here. Ah, of course. The fear of clowns. This is pretty much anecdotal, but the fear of clowns seems to be a very American thing. Yet with other countries, the reaction goes from meh to, I guess they're scary? My dude. My dude. Clowns can be very scary. Uh. I mean, to tap back into the serial killer part of the conversation, has no one ever heard of John Wayne Gacy? Whew. Of course clowns are scary. They've I'm all right. How about this? For those who don't know about this. Um let's see clown scare videos. What's this um What was the clown scare viral Creepy clown viral. Ah, yeah. Okay, so spanning from like 2016 until last year. Side note, MWH96, you're insane. You're crazy for sending this many likes. You won't send us over 2,000. You won't do it. Um, They want to know why clown, the fear of clown is like so American. Well, I don't know any other countries that had a viral epidemic of people dressing up like terrifying murderous clowns from the years like 2016 up until last year. Do you guys know about that? Do you know about that? Did you even hear about that? I mean, I know that was all over the news. So if you're an American listening, I know you know about this. There was a, a huge epidemic in America of people standing alone in the pitch black of night on empty rural highways. Thank you, MWH96. Have a great day. Thanks for being here. Um, there was an, They were standing alone in the dark on the highways waiting for cars to pass by while they stood like in the edge of the woods with like a bloody outfit on and a scary mask and a knife, man. And there's viral videos of people going up to people's houses and looking into their cameras that are on the front porch and just like staring at it, just staring at it. Or like bringing up a pumpkin to the camera and like gutting it and like pouring it all out and leaving it on the balcony. It's crazy. It's crazy that they did that um so you say that being afraid of clowns is hyper american well when you have an epidemic of thousands of people dressing up like murder clowns and coming onto your front porch and like threatening you and you have serial killers who famously wore the clown makeup to lure children in you know it's of course you know a screwed up country has screwed up fears man so and finally here we have Hating large groups of Americans. There's plenty of anti-American sentiment around the world, but nobody hates Americans more than other Americans who disagree about politics. Now, it's good that they specifically mentioned the politic part because that is where we are in America right now more than ever. We are extremely divided because of politics and media 
It's such a, yes, Swoozy, it's such a crazy place right now. It's very weird, very divided, very cynical, very intense. Um, you know, you, you, depending how old you are, so like what generation you're in, you have an obligation to kind of be involved with a certain opinion politically and socially. And if you are more nuanced and you, you want to have an open dialogue and maybe you don't feel exactly the same way as the other people feel, you get ostracized by the intensity of either party. It can be that you're not left enough. You're not accepting and open and like woke enough. Or it can be that you're so like leaning on the right, but you're not like a MAGA hat wearing psycho racist, um, you know, Trump idiot. Like if you're anywhere kind of, it's really hard to be kind of somewhere like left leaning or right leaning these days politically because of the way that the media treats these behaviors, how ev now these days people like me, like idiot nobodies like me can sit here on this screen and talk to you. And if I was good at what I was doing and I had an opinion to share, I could probably try and convince you guys either listening to this at home or here on TikTok to believe something. I could probably really do it if I was really convincing and I had like a clear goal, you know? And now everybody in the world can do that. Like I, I could be trying to do that. I'm not. But I could be trying to do that. And then imagine there are millions more people like me who are like bottom level people that no one knows. Now imagine there's millions and millions of every level above. There's middle fame, top tier like people that everybody in the world knows. And they have platforms and they have podcasts. Think about people like Joe Rogan. He gets 100 million downloads a month and he sits there and he can talk to absolutely anybody. People from Jordan Peterson all the way to Johnny Depp. Like this huge range of people with different opinions and they can really convince the public of anything if you're susceptible enough. And Americans can, are so susceptible to to talk, to, to they're so susceptible to, to strong opinions and they easily grab on to what people believe and what they think. And it's very, I think it's not great. Um, no, that's not the word I'm thinking, not great. I think it's um, not easy to explain it, but yeah, that's, that's why it's a weird country. That's why we are where we are because it's politically it's so divided and everybody has a platform. So everybody has an opinion and everyone has their own niche pocketed opinions and those all culminate and pile together and connect with other people and there's no more like sitting at home with your family at night after work and seeing the six o'clock news like with Walter Matthau and just trusting that what you're being told is true there is no more like non-biased news and that's so tough you know like I'm on a basically polar opposite political opinion as my dad don't get scared by the red hat. It's not that kind of red hat. But I'm on such a completely different scale of political mindset from my dad. But we still have the same opinion that you can't trust the media. Kind of funny. Um, yeah, so I'm very thankful for German news. Um, because for those who don't know that, I mean, the Germans here on the live feed will know that. Germany uh, has to legally be unbiased, clear news completely separate from opinion you have to have separate labeled opinion pieces but the news of what is happening and who's doing what and how and when and what it looks like has to be clean clear unbiased news by law so i'm very thankful for the news organizations here there's one called deutsche welle i have it on my phone it comes to me in english i can keep up with all my news about the world what's going on in ukraine or whatever and I don't have to worry that it's going to be uh, skewed or shifted or altered in some way. And I would love to get my dad to just have this app on his phone to send him. Um, I don't. Inga says that Tagesschau is manipulative, too. I don't watch Tagesschau. I'm talking about I'm not talking about entertainment. I'm talking about like in a newspaper or when you like Der Spiegel or I don't know that maybe Der Spiegel is manipulative i don't know i'm just talking about like like what the n actual news is when you see a fact of like so and so was taken down at so and so building at so and so o'clock like then you just know what's going on um but of course whenever something is televised if it's on tv there's always the uh, there's always the chance for that i don't know i i don't watch tagesschau because it's all in german and i don't understand it all so um that just has to be where we differ there because i don't know but yeah, um, 
I think what I'll do here is I will wrap up the podcast and maybe stay a little longer on the live so we can talk a little more with you guys if you want to. We're almost at 2,000 likes here. That's so nice, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining in. Um, it's always really a lot of fun to get into these uh, picky little things. And what I'll do after the podcast here is just talk a little more with you. Oh, we crossed 2,000. Thank you, Joratan1. Thank you so much. Um, what we'll do is just uh, maybe go into a bit more of like q and I can talk about um, these Americanisms, of course, a little more, but also a bit about myself and my opinions on things because I want to keep, you know, my opinion on things and what I think some truths are kind of separate. So, um, yeah. So for those listening at home, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for listening to this. Uh, thank you so much. You can, of course, as always, find these channels, uh, Artsy Fartsy Podcast, Artsy Fartsy Immigrants, uh, everywhere, YouTube, uh, everywhere podcasts are coming out. Um, and just, yeah, tell a friend about us, leave a comment, um, you know, subscribe, you know the works. Thank you so much for being here, and we will be back next week with much love. Bye-bye. Artsy Fartsy Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5. Musik